This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday, the 16th of March, 2023. And today we talk all about the Mac and some cool apps. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, hello, Sean Priest. How are you today? I am gorgeous, thank you, Stephen Scott. I am feeling so out of place today, though. Let me just say that before we start. <laughs> well, do you know, I was thinking you would feel that way, because we're yes. going to talk about the Mac. And look, yes. you have not given the Mac much love for a long time. How dare you, sir? Mm. I was in love with the Mac for the longest time. I've just let it go. I let exactly. it go. About, you resemble what, that remark. Five years ago since I touched the, the Mac, probably something like that. Yes. And it's all about the Mac. I know it's going to be a big Mac love fest today, so oh, I'm, I'm feeling slightly out of it. But that's not the only reason. Well, well, yes, we'll get to the other reason in just a second. <laughs> you may hear the other reason in just a second uh, when we yes. introduce our guests today. Uh, but I am going to get you a Mac Mini. I've got an M1 Mac Mini just lying here. I actually have two, but let's just move on from that. We've got two, and one of them I want to give to you because I want to get you using it. What, an M1? Where's the M2? (laughs) Not to say I'm grateful. I see, right, okay, so that is it. Um, No, that'd be cool. Actually, I would love to go... Go back into the Mac. the The one I've got is a what, 2012 That's Mac rubbish. Mini. Throw it out. And it, it, Get yes, I, it won't go to the latest won't OS. Even, no, so. the, the little robot behind the scenes at uh, Apple, you know, in the yes. store, the one that takes them all apart. It'll just throw oh, it yeah, away. What's he called? Yeah, Trevor or something like that. Yeah, he'll he'll take it to bits and what, recycle no, 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 the no, gold. It won't. What it will do is it will just pick it up from you and it will just take it and throw it straight in the trash. That is what ah, it will okay. do. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I'm not using it. I'm and using then it as a doorstop. Little empty recycle bin button. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? I, would, I think it's called trash in America. This is funny, right? In America, on mm. Mac OS, it's trash is the name of the bin. It, I, no, it's called trash over here. I remember the no. trash in the dock. It's trash, yes. It's called trash in America. Here it's called bin. No, yes. they've changed that. I'm sure it used no, to be trash. it still is called bin. It's so bin. funny. Well, the proper English way of saying it, yeah. Exactly, correct. that's right. Just to alienate a lot of our listeners. Sorry about that. Well, I must admit we're teaching. I think it's educational. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what the show is. It's educational. Let's find out yeah. if that's true by bringing in people who know things. Uh, we've got Michael Babcock back with us again. Michael Babcock, always good to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. And I messed my region settings up, so right now it calls mine a bin as well. There you go. See? <gasps> oh, I don't know how beautiful. I did it. <laughs> Was that weird? Did you think, wow, what's that? It, for, it, it caught me off guard. It made me think, huh, that's probably why I have a UK accent on my Siri voice now. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny though because you find a lot of people abroad tend to have UK or you know we always tend to go for an alternative. Like here, we have a lot of people here who use US voices, Australian, um, Australian, Australian voices. Karen. That's right. Yeah. All right, calm down. Uh, listen, we've also got with us, and this is a brand new voice to our show. You will know this guy's voice. I have to say, he probably has the best voice in the world. I thought Rob, who did our voiceovers, had the coolest voice. No. And this guy comes along. Damasi Thomas is with us. Who's uh, Michael's co-host on the podcast, on one of the many podcasts he does. Yes. Damasi, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, listen to oh, that. Wow. Wow. Right, listen out. to me. Listen to us nasally yeah, whining away in our funny accents. Right, Damasi, um, could you say hello to Sean? And Sean, could you respond? Yeah. Hello, Sean. Hello, Damasi. 
That's, How are you? I can't just, do it. I'm trying. Just, I'm trying. It's so embarrassing, do, isn't it? I know. Ah, oh, don't. That's you two have got the best voices I've ever heard. There, I've said it. Who, I've Michael got it out in the way. I'm Massey. not ashamed. Yeah, but see, you have the great accents, though, right? And you have the proper English too. Oh, that's true. We do say bin. Yeah. Okay. Well done. Some people. Great. Some people have got the power in life. Some people have got the respect, <laughs> and other people are just the funny people. I think we're the funny people, Sean. Yeah, I know. They're just the cool kids. I mean, they just sound so cool. It's amazing. Welcome anyway, to the show. Let's not fawn over you too much because this will just get a bit weird very quickly. I um, want to do but, our jingles and voiceovers. It's amazing. I know Rob is even Rob is out, quaking Rob. in his boots. Yeah, get rid of Rob. <laughs> Rob's fired. Uh, okay, look, we're going to talk today about the Mac and in particular two applications, although there's actually more we can get into today because... Um, Michael and I have been emailing back and forward, or what I mean by that is Michael's been emailing me, and I usually either send one word responses or none. Um, usually none. Usually none, yeah. <laughs> I am the world's worst emailer. If AI can do anything, it could maybe answer my emails. That would be cool. Um, but Give yeah, Outlook <laughs> enough time and it'll happen. <laughs> well, it's getting there. It feels that way. But you've been emailing about a lot of different ideas and things to talk about, and that's why I thought we'd wrap it all into this today, because... Look, it's one conversation of many we, we will have and have had about the Mac over the years. And I don't want to get into the whole, you know, how cool is the Mac or where are we with the Mac? Because I think we've done a lot of that. I think let's talk about practical applications. So one is LaunchBar. And I thought that's a good place to start because it's kind of the beginnings of where you would begin on a computer on a Mac, right? So it's an alternative to Spotlight. Now, Damasi, you've done a big demo of this on your new podcast, right? Yep, on technically working, I kind of walked through when I got my M2 Air because I was trying to be like Stephen. He, he convinced me to buy it. Actually, I, I still don't blame, blame me, man. Listen, so nobody knows you, but I'm like, it's got Stephen is the one reason that I bought this M2 <laughs> MacBook Air. Uh, it's kind of his fault. I'm so sorry, under uh, the bus. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, man, they don't know you, and all you have to do is show up and throw on a very heavy Scottish brogue, and they're like, oh, it's uh, it's James Bond. It's okay then. Oh, thanks, <laughs> James Bond. Yeah. Damashi Thomas. Thank you. Oh, very there good. you go. See, I like that. Shake, I see, shake that's it, that's, I can't go. do that. I can't do that. <laughs> that sounds like a list. Or, 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 man, listen, you could pull out your 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 uh, your, your amazing your amazing uh, Sopranos accent. That also works very well. Hey, everybody, you want a coffee? You got a coffee go. around here? And I'm just <laughs> basically a dancing monkey now. Is that why I am? I'm just a, I'm just a He's toy. Playing you like a puppet. It's exactly. amazing. I feel like Ham hey out of Toy Story. Hey man, listen, listen. I listen to the show just, just, just for that. Uh, but seriously. I'm glad we educate you and help you on this. Oh, yeah, man. Well, insane, you did buy a computer out of it, so I suppose you got something out of it. Or yeah, at least Apple And it's, it's actually like, it's, it's me going back to a laptop because I was on the Mac Mini for a while. And mm. uh, it's been great. But yeah, I, I started everything from scratch on this uh, MacBook Air with the intent of recording content as I set up some of the more kind of general purpose applications like LaunchBar to record the process and show people my settings because here's the thing I often find somebody will tell you about this great app that they're using like oh this app is so amazing you know blah 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 you go download it and then you're like well mine isn't doing what you said yours does um, how do I get there right mm -hmm. so recording the settings process of how I configure mine will help you help people get you know kind of a, a, a aspect to look into why mine works this particular way and also explaining the settings. So if you're checking a box or unchecking a box, you know why you're doing it. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. It's funny, I downloaded an app recently for the Mac called Vienna, which is an RSS app. And um, it's like you say, you know, actually, when you download it and you play around with the settings, 
There are a lot of things in there you could change that could make the experience better, but you have to explain that to people. Or like you say, they'll be thinking, well, hang on, mine doesn't work like that. Yeah, I'm still waiting the same. for that explanation, Stephen. Still waiting. Uh, listen, I, I, it's on my list. I've got a list over here. There's a, there's a list lying around here somewhere. I don't know. It's uh, it'll, We'll get there. So this new podcast, is is it available where you get good podcasts? It's what available you everywhere you can get good podcasts. Eh? And bad where, ones? Wherever, however you manage to get Double Tap and hear us right now, you can also search for Technically Working and get that show. That is brilliant. Okay, well, we will check that. I definitely will check that out. But let's talk about Launch Bar. And Michael, you have helpfully explained a little bit of this to us just so we can get a bit more of a sense of what Launch Bar is and how we can use it. So you guys asked to see some of our favorite applications. I don't really feel like showing you something that's not accessible right now, but I will show you something cool you can do with the Mac. Start out with right option S. Safari, 11, Payo Media, LLC, YouTube. And that takes me to my YouTube channel, and I'm using Heading Navigation to find... Heading Level 3, Technically Working Clip by Payone Media, LLC 5 days ago, 26 seconds, 2 views. And this is only 26 seconds, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to press VO Space on it. Complimentary, YouTube Video Player, Groove, Pause. I immediately tap the K key, which paused the video, and then I'll go to the address bar with Command L. HTTPS colon... I don't think I have to do this, but I'm going to press Command A to select everything. Select all. And then I'm going to press and hold Command Space. YouTube can watch URL. This opens Launch Bar, and if I tap the Tab key. Donate application. This is the other favorite application I have. Now, before I do that, I'm going to escape out of here and show you something real quick with Launch Bar. Launch Bar. System dialog. And I tap D-O-W-N. Downloads. Folder. Contains 23 items. You'll see it contains 23 items. Tap the right arrow key. Michael Blind Shell Classic 2 Deleting Books in Bard. MP3 Audio. And that's the last video, well, audio, that was downloaded that I'm turning into podcast content for the Shell Phone Show. Tap the escape key. And now I know that the URL to the YouTube video is selected. Remember, press and hold command space. YouTube can watch. URL. Tap the tab key. Where do you want to send it? Downey, application. And I want to send it to Downey. Press enter. Safari, 11, technical, Downey, Downey window, downloads, dim collection has keyboard focus. You'll hear a sound. Download of technically working clip did begin. tells you that the download of technically working clip did begin. And you don't have to do anything else. So you can tap command Q. Support. And we're back 11. where we technically start. Working clip. YouTube, sir. Now, remember, with Launch Bar, we can press Command Space. Launch Bar. System dialog. Type D-O-W-N. Downloads. Folder. Contains 24 items. Wait a minute. 24. Tap the right arrow key. Technically working clip. MP3 audio. And there's the audio. Converted automatically and saved in my downloads folder. You can use other tools like Hazel, if anyone's interested, and organize these files automatically. You can also configure Downey to close when the conversion is complete. So that's okay. Launch Bar, which is, okay, this is then essentially an alternative to Spotlight, but clearly much more capable. Absolutely. I don't even use Spotlight. I don't, you know what? I don't even know how Spotlight works. I'm going to be honest. Like, <laughs> somebody could probably teach me how Spotlight works. I've been using the Mac full time every day since about 2013. So about 10 years consistently on only Mac. And 
I don't think I've used Spotlight once. I know my computer. What? If I set up a new computer, I hit Command Space, and Spotlight comes up. I'm like, oh, oh, I have clearly not done something I should have done. It's just too <laughs> clunky. Like Spotlight is clunky compared to LaunchBar is the best way to to explain it. I tried not to use LaunchBar for a little while uh, when I reformatted this Mac Mini that I'm on, uh, and I think I lasted maybe a day, but LaunchBar is just super convenient and i use launch bar a lot of times in replacement of finder as well i i will use finder but a lot of times whenever i need to find anything i'll just hit command space and either use the arrow keys to navigate or start typing what i'm looking for but that, that was what i was going to ask and you've just explained it there both in the in the demo and and what you've just said is you know what's the difference between spotlights that's what most people are going to ask because when i think of spotlight and and what i thought launch bar was you know it, basically it's like hitting the windows key on a PC and just type in, you know, Word or <laughs> uh, Edge or whatever and, and start in your program. But that integration of other apps like Downy, now, does that automatically populate? Does it scan what other software you've got on there and populate? Or do you have to do something to link that to LaunchBar? No, it automatically indexes. So as you install new applications, they'll show up. So if I were to, you know, download, uh, what was that app, Stephen, you mentioned the, the uh, Vienna Right. If I yeah. downloaded that and installed it, um, even before I run it, spot uh, launch bar probably will have indexed it. So I could hit command space and type the first couple of letters of the app name and there would be Vienna. I could tap return and open it up or send things into it as Michael was demonstrating in that clip there. That's the thing for me, though. Yeah, I, I totally get as Spotlight would do. Right. You type the first few letters and whatever app you got comes up. But it's being able to pipe yeah, URLs or whatever else into another app. That is really cool. That's really powerful. And you can also set up custom abbreviations. So I have a, uh, uh, I'm using a tool called Mistro, which is my Dropbox alternative, which at this time does allow me to keep my Dropbox folder on an external drive, just saying. And I uh, have a <laughs> folder in there called Stations. And in Stations, I have several PLS files um, and I have the call letters on it. So on this side of the United States, our call letters start with K. So I have it set up. So Launch Bar, I don't have to navigate to my external drive, then to Mistro, then to stations, I can I uh, set up a custom abbreviation. So if I type in the first two letters of a station, KDUK, for example, and I type KD, it automatically uh, moves focus to that specific station. And then I can either hit enter and it'll open in VLC, or I can press tab and then down arrow to locate a different application that I want to put it in. So that ability to abbreviate uh, things and set up your own custom abbreviations can save time. And then there's a clipboard manager, which is super powerful, built into LaunchBar as well. Okay, so just to go back a little bit on this, because I guess what people might be wondering is, okay, so this seems very and clearly very fully featured. Is this an alternative to Finder as well? Can you navigate entirely without Finder? You can. Um, and as Mike said, like I sometimes will do that, especially if I know exactly what I'm looking for. I know where it is or I, I can get there. For, or if I know beginning with the process of looking for a file or folder that I need to grab something and send it somewhere else. I will completely navigate inside of LaunchBar. Uh, there have been the early days of me using LaunchBar. I was doing a lot of reading in, in, in their forms and things like that. There are people who have actually gone through the extraneous steps of disabling Finder and they just use LaunchBar. Um, I have not gone to that extreme. I don't think I ever would go to that extreme. Uh, but there are people that have done that as well. Wow. I, I, yeah, I saw 
using the, in that demo there the downloads and then right arrowing was it to the contents of that yep. um but then what about copying and pasting you know moving files about surely you would still need finder on the system you wouldn't want nope. to Nope. So oh. let's take Michael's example there where he right arrowed into downloads and there was that technically working clip. He could have hit the tab key and that would have allowed him to, uh, that puts him in the send mode and then he could have just typed in the letters of the folder that he was looking for and hit return and you'll get, depending on how you configure your settings, by default it'll give you options of whether you want to copy the file to this location or you want to move it. Uh, in the settings, you can configure it to always do one or the other, or I always leave mine set at the options because sometimes I want to move something, sometimes I want to copy it. And you can also use the keyboard shortcuts uh, within LaunchBar. So when you highlighted the technically working clip, if I would have just pressed Command-C, then I could have moved to a different location and then Command-V'd it into that location, and that would have copied it as well. That's it. Finder's gone. Why, why use Finder? <laughs> I, hate, I hated Finder. Finder was terrible for me. That's so, that's so good. And the thing is that I think some people might have thought initially, and certainly as, as we started this conversation, thinking, oh, here we go, it's, this is all very advanced. But it isn't really. That, that's the thing about it's this, not. isn't it? It's, it's actually quite a simple application in a lot of ways. It has a lot of depth to it, so you can take your time and really learn mm-hmm. this t- to, to the fullest, really. Yeah, and that's how I started. Like I, I when I first tried, and when I first started, and you know, the head off. Well, maybe not the head off the emails you're going to get, Stephen. But you know, some people are going to like. Well, Alfred is great. I tried Alfred, uh, mm, and I tried right, LaunchBar. Yeah. Uh, LaunchBar just felt like the right application for me, so it's the one I've stuck with, and I've periodically went back and tried uh, Alfred over the years as they as they have added new features. Uh, similarly with Spotlight, like whenever I have to wipe a Mac for some reason, you know, I'll try Spotlight a couple of times, but it very quickly doesn't fit the way that my brain is working. Uh, but with my initial beginnings with LaunchBar, like I was just using the bare basics of like, you know, command space and find an application and open it. Uh, it, it took me, you know, I was able to take my time and grow into some of the, the, the fancier tricks that it can do, uh, running scripts, doing searches, things like that. Uh, so you, you, you can start where you're comfortable and, you know, move along as you want to, as you said. And I was looking through LaunchBar, and I think what, what makes it as powerful or as not powerful as you want it to be is the actions. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at some of these actions. So, for example, there's a empty trash action. There's an eject all drives action. There's an enter text, a flip image horizontal, and there's a get mail and compose mail to people. Uh, in the actions category indexing rule that I have, there's 138 different actions. And these are all things you can perform by just typing the beginning of them and you can set up custom shortcuts to perform those actions as well. Oh, that is incredible. I mean, Sean, come on. You're going to want to uh, have a play with this no, one. Get your just, one, aren't you? That's Microsoft Power Toys. That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that is fantastic. That sounds so good. Is this, uh, what's the price on this app? $30 US. And it, I'm guessing that's the default now. So whenever you get a Mac, that's the first thing you put on. Yeah, it's one yep. of those programs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds so it, powerful. It's one password and then launch bar because one password has my license key in it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that sounds really good. So, you know, taking it to the next step, because, you know, it's often the case whenever you start getting into something like this, you end up playing around with other options as well and other applications. You mentioned Hazel. What is Hazel? What does it do? 
Hazel basically will watch. You can set it up to watch a folder and then perform actions when when certain criteria are met. Now that's a you know sounds very convoluted in advance. Basically, let's let's say with your downloads folder, you can have Hazel watch your folder, your downloads folder, and anything older than two weeks, just throw it in the trash, right? Because if you haven't dealt with it in two weeks, you're probably not going to get to it. At least if you're or me, bing. you're probably not going to get to it. Yeah. Yeah. Or in your bin. Right. Let's use the it's proper the terminology for it. Let's, let's, you know, you can have Hazel toss that in the bin for you. <laughs> Thank you. You can uh, also have Hazel reorganize files. So um, when we're working on technically working, we try to have a similar file naming structure for those files. So whenever a file is downloaded to tech, to my downloads that includes technically working and is an MP3 file and came from alphonic.com because you can choose where you want, like if, if you want it to watch URLs, then move that to the Dropbox folder for technically working automatically so I don't have to, to do it. And it's all automated these things are just so powerful and i think these are the things that people don't realize do actually exist and can make such a difference to your workflow i mean just monitoring a folder and when something comes in automatically doing it i mean it can save you so much time right it's it's so so much time and it, it makes you look more sophisticated and on top of things than what you really are. Because I was dropping the ball for a while, you and, you know, recording voiceover work and then putting in the client's folder and then not emailing them. So not telling them. So now I have it set up so it'll automatically move the files to the client's folder. There's another tool called Keyboard Maestro, which will automate tasks, and that'll send an email to let the client know. And then I don't have to worry about it. I just do the work and then none of the follow up is necessary. There is an equivalent tool to Hazel on Windows. Windows. Unfortunately, the last time I tried it, it was fully inaccessible, but it's called File Juggler is the recommended uh, tool for Hazel on Windows. Yeah, and it's not like, let's be honest, it's not like there's any winner out of these two. It's not that you could see, well, Mac or Windows is best for these. Individual applications can be useful. Mm, And Well, you know, in the sense that, you know, you could look at a lot of applications on the Mac that are pretty inaccessible, and you mm-hmm. can find similar on the Windows side. Oh, yeah, so it's not true. really yes. a Mac versus Windows thing in, in terms of the productivity. There's yeah. probably equivalent options out there on Windows. And, I, and, and to be honest, Final Ex- Final Ex- Final Explorer, File Explorer, <laughs> as I'm trying to say, is um, is okay. I mean, it's getting a bit more convoluted these days, you know. But for basic navigation, it's fine. I prefer it to find it. Yeah, I do find oh, yeah, that definitely. It, it's it's surprising though. I do find, given that Apple's you know security and gatekeeper and all that on the on the Mac system, I do find a lot more of these. I'm going to say funky little apps out there, and and I always look for alternatives. These are the things that really do want me to go back to the Mac. Um, things like Hazel and that, and I, I have looked for alternatives. Loopback is a perfect example, right? Oh, Loopback, the, the Rogue Amoeba on the Mac. Trying to find something um, similar on Windows is virtually impossible. Virtual audio cables, it's not the same at all. Um, so th- there's lots of these little things on the Mac. Uh, I just find it quite surprising that they're, the Mac does, does seem to, I don't know, culture these sort of things, uh, given how clamped down the system usually is. Yeah, and typically what happens, like with Hazel, for example, you know, if you wanted to be able to watch any folder, you're going to have to go in and give it, you know, full disk access. Uh, Launch bar, there's a lot of permissions to step through when you first set it up, uh, you know, depending on what you wanted to have access to and how you want to use it. So there's a lot more of that now than there used to be on Mac OS. But Apple, for the most part, has been pretty good about 
setting up ways to continue to use these type of applications uh, just by making sure that you give it the appropriate permissions to allow it to do what it needs to do for things that come in from outside of the app store. I am still super annoyed at the process we have to go through for Rogue Amoeba's apps to get those working. Uh, oh, yeah. I feel like Apple could do a little bit better in that that area. Because uh, having to reboot into recovery and do all of this stuff and then they make it seem so super scary, like, oh, you're going to lower your security policy. It's like, yes. well, it's kind of where it's always been. But uh, <laughs> it, it's a lot of steps now for something like Rogue Amoeba, and I do feel like they could do a little bit better in that space. But I'm although, happy that these apps still exist. Although at least you can get in there and use it with, okay, granted, this it is, is true. not this Fred. Is, true. is it Fred? Yeah, it's Fred. Well, yep, it's Fred. You can get into recovery and access everything until you have to activate a Mac because you had to erase it. And the uh, uh, Wi-Fi menu bar on that screen is not accessible with voiceover. So you have well, to connect it to an Ethernet cable or use a mouse to have someone click on that Wi-Fi menu. And that was frustrating when I encountered it at 6 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is it's not bothered you that you had to bring it up yeah, on a yeah, show. That's right. you, know, that's good. you got over it. Exactly. You got over it and you've not thought about it since. That's Ira. good. Yes. <laughs> but Ira can't help, and the, no. especially when you have a Mac Mini and no mouse connected. Yeah, that's right. Oof, yeah, And let's not even get into the whole headless Mac thing, because I know you've got into that as well. Mouseless uh, and yeah. headless, it sounds yeah, unfortunate. See, that's how I'm running mine, so like I would really be in... Uh, and here's one of those situations, like and you, 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 you guys, the two of you, are very good at pointing out different alternatives or, or bringing up aspects that some of us don't always think about. I never encountered that problem when resetting a Mac, uh, a, a Apple Silicon Mac, because I always have our Ethernet cable connected. Mm. So I never encountered it until I was helping somebody else over the phone reset a Mac, and I was like, oh, it, it really appears that you can't get to that Wi-Fi menu. I am sorry, because now I got you in a state that you can't get out of. Yes, <laughs> it makes you feel so guilty, right? It yeah. does. Listen, stick around. We're going to talk about Backblaze, another interesting app on the Mac, and also Rim, because this is very interesting. It's now available for the Mac, or at least I think it's coming in up for the Mac now. So uh, you'll be able to access other computers, either on your own network or support other people as well, Rim being Remote Incident Manager. We'll talk about that next. This is Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And back with uh, Damasi and Michael today, and Sean as well. Oh yeah, hello. Sean, I remember him. I, I'm here. Hello. Hello, hello Sean, voice. yes, we sound like that today. Oh, hello. Especially on today's show, yeah. I, I sound like Mrs. Doubtfire all of a sudden, I don't know what's going on here. Um, <laughs> you always do to me. Thanks, thanks. Apparently he was Scottish in that movie. Um, people thought he was English, but he was Scottish in that movie because yes. he had filmed in Scotland on a different movie just before he did Mrs. Doubtfire. And that's where the whole thing came from. Apparently, that's a that's the beautiful, rumor. beautiful story. Isn't Thank it? You. Yeah. There you go. This, I tell you, this is an educational show. It's a tech show, honestly. You get to the end of it and you say, that taught me a lesson. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so let's talk about other apps in the mic. I want to talk about RIM, Remote Incident Manager. Now, I have to say... The name is pretty terrifying. Um, it just feels like, I don't know, it feels like something, kind of nuclear blast technology or something. Worst name in the world. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, you know, I have to dial into a submarine and turn off the nuclear before it gets to zero, you know. 
Um, but it's not no. that, is it? <laughs> Just to be clear, it's not that. No, it's, it's a yes, totally that's different. exactly what well, it is. I mean, yes. Maybe if they have a Mac or Windows computer on the submarine, you can remote connect. And to they it. don't have to run a screen reader on that computer either. <laughs> exactly. How irritating would that be? Getting stuck in recovery mode in that situation. <laughs> Please, someone tell us what Rim Ten actually does. Ten seconds Yes. <laughs> So RIM um, is a fully accessible remote incident manager is what IRM stands for. And it allows you as a controller to control a remote computer now, either Mac or Windows. Now, let me preface this by saying RIM is only currently available in beta. Um, so so general public cannot get it at this time. It is expected okay. to be released in a couple of months. Um, and from the very early beta days, I'm, I'm kind of super excited about this. I've been uh, looking for a tool that would allow me to control other Macs or what's even more important about RIM, control Windows computers without screen readers. So I work for an organization sometimes where all of the, they, they support blind individuals, but none of the staff is blind, which I think is uh, kind of interesting. Well, no, I take that back. They have one staff, one blind staff member now, Yay! but none of them use screen readers. The blind staff member, she uses Zoom text, I believe. And so, um, whenever they call me they're like uh how do i how do i fix this i'm like oh it's down by the clock which should be down by your lower right hand corner or, or left hand corner or i don't remember because i don't look at it every day but look in the <laughs> lower corner and see where the clock is or use this key oh you don't understand what i mean when i say press windows key b to get down to the taskbar or to the toolbar down there so I'm super excited about RIM because it'll allow me as a completely blind IT person to remote into someone else's computer, whether they have a screen reader or not. And I don't have to, here's the big D word, disclose if I am blind or not while I am doing the remote access to the computer. So cool. So cool. Mm. Because it's harder than you think, right? I thought this this problem was solved when uh, Quick Assist came to Windows. Um, Built-in, remote assistance, very easy, accessible, perfect doesn't stream audio across so you couldn't start a you know narrator on the remote computer and listen in and you so you couldn't do it that way so that was out and then they totally ruined it by making it a windows store but only in windows 11 and you had to yeah so terrible uh team viewer uh, inaccessible is it still i haven't used it in the longest time but you couldn't get the details from it every time i tried to use that one um so uh, of course we do have the uh tandem with Jaws, which is excellent. And you also have uh, NVDA Remote as well, which is an add-on for NVDA, which can do the same yeah. thing. But some of those, well, Tandem doesn't, but NVDA, you, sometimes you'll need to muck around with the port forwarding on routers. And who's going to do that? Nobody. So this sounds like the perfect solution, especially with having a screen reader built in. And it's not actually running on the remote computer, is it? So they're not hearing what you're hearing. Correct. Right. If, if they don't have a screen reader, they don't hear what you are hearing. You just hear that. And one of the cool things, especially in the training environment, is you can flip the session. So if Demasi and I are trying to do something and I'm like, that's not looking the way I should. Can you take a look at my computer and let me know what's going on? I can flip the session. So then he's controlling my computer and he can see what I'm seeing on my screen as well. Hang, hang on. Hang on. So he's watching you watching them. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> I know, so you, you, <laughs> it's a remote inception. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes, so we, we did a test with this the other day. And uh, so Michael connected to my computer. He sent me a little code or whatever. And then he was able to control my computer. And then we just flipped the session around so that now I was then from my computer controlling his computer. Uh, and let me just say here, like one of the super cool things about this has never been a problem that was ever ever solved on the Mac to my knowledge. Like I have never from the time I started. That's one of the things I, I did miss, truly miss about switching away from Windows when I did is tandem is a thing that existed. Uh the NVDA uh remote access came out shortly after I switched away from the Mac uh, away from Windows, which really kinda I was just kinda eyeballing Windows like, oh man, did I leave at the wrong time? Because this is not a thing that works on the Mac and you would think and I'm still you know, not that I'm bitter about it at all, Apple, that, you know, you, we, we have several blind people who are, uh, you know, certified professional support people for Apple. But, you know, we can't remote into anybody's computer and do anything. I mean, mm. it's OK, yep. though. It's all right. We got iMessage apps like we got an app store and iMessage. <laughs> so, you know, we're good. Right. Uh, well, so you're not, you're not bitter either. Is this the bitter day? No, is this the not, bitter not, show today? Not not bitter. Well, you know what I'm really trying to do is bring a little bit of 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 uh, I'm trying to channel Sean just a little bit to not make this a whole Apple love fest. So let's let's tell the truth about uh, Apple. Like they're great, yeah, but they also absolutely. make some mistakes and they also drop the ball on a lot of things. So I want to make sure we 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 give them yep, no, a level playing field here. Completely agree with that. And I think we need to know about the solutions that are coming, if there are any, and certainly highlight the ones that aren't, because there are plenty of areas where Apple could improve, as we know, especially on the Mac. Uh, but yeah, this is a really interesting one. So let me let me just get this in my head. So if Sean and I wanted to... I'm thinking about you, you, what you said earlier, Michael, about if you connect to someone who doesn't have a screen reader, you're able to connect. So, so you're on the Mac, right? Let's just say this. Yep. You're on the Mac right now. And you connect to someone on Windows, you're going to use NVDA to be able to control that computer, unbeknown to the person you're connecting to, you're just fixing their computer, right? Yep. And if you connect on a Mac, you're using VoiceOver. Yep. Okay. How are you controlling their system? And what? how is that working with the keyboard? Like when you're in the window for RIM, are you just in that window and therefore it doesn't... Yeah. Like, so like you're using a... parallels, right? You're just controlling another system. Yep. Um, so there is a keystroke, and I'm not going to mention it because as it being in beta, it could change between mm. now and when it's released. But there is a keystroke to... So when you connect to a computer, you're you're in that computer. Uh, Alt-Tab will Alt-Tab through things. You can press Option-Tab, Command-Tab, whatever you want, and you're not going to see your Mac. You're not going to accidentally do what you do sometimes in parallels where you switch from Windows over to the Mac because you hit the wrong keystroke yes. because you forgot that that happens. Yes, I've been there. Uh, but there is a keystroke with rim that you can press that will activate the rim menu and then when you do that there's an option there that says minimize remote session and when you choose that then that will put you back on your mac and then you can switch back over to the rim app and you can do research or you know do what you need to do on your mac and then switch over to the rim application and then i believe it it's restore a remote session and then you're back in the remote computer so there are ways to switch back and forth but your keystrokes when you're in rim remotely can connected to it is my understanding are those keystrokes are then processed by the remote operating system that you're connected to okay so two other questions i have on this one is when you're connected to someone who has a screen reader turned on do they hear what you're doing so does 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 Damasi hear what you're doing yes yes 
Yes. And vice and you versa. Also then, then you also then hear their screen reader as your as your audio, as you're navigating or, or controlling their computer as well. So if I so when I connected to Michael's computer, you know, I didn't hear the voice that I use on Mac OS. I heard the voice that he uses on Mac OS, which is different. Ah, interesting. Right, okay. And in regard I'm thinking about people who like me, for example, I've got a, a Lenovo laptop, my PC sitting on the desk, which I use every day. And I decided to just focus in on having that because, you know, I can use it on the move. Um, if I want to control that from my Mac, I could just do that, right? I'd be able to just you run that just from that. my, from yep. using this software, I'd be able to, to do that. You don't quite believe it, do you, Stephen? It's, 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 just, I, I, it's, it's more the, you know, that way I've had this experience with Parallels, which kind of feels like the same issue that I think a lot of us have had over the years with the, the attempts at this kind of software using screen readers anyway, where you end up getting lost within two systems. Yeah. And that, that's one of the, I think, important things to note with RIM is, one, RIM has been around for a long time on Windows. I used it, you know, years ago when I was doing Windows support and uh, teaching on JAWS and NVDA uh, and Serotex, uh screen reader, which I can't recall the name of at the moment. Uh, so it's been around for a while for Windows. Uh so they've, they've conquered a lot of those connectivity issues. And as Michael said, when you remote connect to a computer with RIM, you're kind of locked in until you intentionally go through a process of pressing a keyboard shortcut to bring up a menu to get out of that connection. So once you're connected to a remote computer, you're, you're stuck in using that computer. Uh, and what I've noticed here with using it on the Mac and what's really exciting for me is, you know, I, I run a consulting business. So now when people call me up, like Michael was saying, and like, hey, uh, how do I fix this problem with this app? And they're on Windows. I'm like, I have no idea, man. I ain't looked at Windows in, you know, almost five years. I have no idea what it looks like. <laughs> Uh, what I'm able to do now, because and I'm, as I'm sure that all of us here now know, you know, we oftentimes can't tell people directly how to do a thing. We have to go do it first because we, we learn by by poking around and stumbling around and, yep. and stuff. Sometimes uh, we just try to make it look more professional. <laughs> uh, so that that is going to be a, a huge gain for us. And the fact that it goes across from Mac to Windows, Windows to Mac, Mac to Mac, Windows to Windows is also a huge game changer for any of us whether you want to do what steven wants to do which is you know travel around the world and still control this mac mini from from on the go or if yep. you're trying to remotely you know support people and actually do a job and get paid for doing that uh it it really changes the playing field and again it is surprising in a lot of ways that nobody else has attempted to really solve this problem for us one of the nice things about RIM, and then I'll stop talking about my super excitement about this, is if Stephen wanted to, he could connect his account to the Mac Mini. And once you become a paying customer, which I believe it starts at $9.99 US a month, um, once you become a paying customer, you can actually save that computer. And so it's always available. So when you have the Lenovo in your remote, you can log into your account and see Stephen's Mac Mini and remote into it without having to touch the Mac Mini so you can remote control a computer. And I, I mentioned this, I think it was on Double Tap, it might have been a different show, where it, this would have been super convenient to have when I was working for the company that owned the radio stations in our local market, because a lot of times I was permitted or, or I was prevented from being able to do remotes independently uh, because I couldn't remote into the on-air computer and take actions. If I was at the on-air computer, I could. And now with something like REM, I could just sign into the REM account that the on-air computer is associated 
associated with, click on or press enter on on-air computer, and then all of a sudden, on my remote on-site, I'm controlling the computer that's back in the studio. Yeah, I could have really done with that during the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) During lockdown, that would have been really useful. Isn't that how, um, oh, what's it called now? Google Desktop works? Chrome, a, Chrome Remote Desktop, yeah. Yes, that's the one, Chrome Remote. That was the closest I could get to, actually. I, I did use that, actually, most of the time because that was the one I could connect to from my Mac. And the great thing was, because the keyboard shortcuts were different and I was connecting to a server running Narrator, so it wasn't brilliant. And it was a really old server edition and it was running Narrator, but I could still get to what I needed to get to, which was good, actually. That was about the only benefit yeah. of it. Um, can I can I just say Michael is being incredibly mean there by not giving out that keyboard shortcut? I get it; it may change in the beta, beta not beta. But I get it. <laughs> you know what? I, when I've ever whenever I've used these uh, remote access apps, I usually spend the the first twenty minutes trying to find <laughs> so that keyboard shortcut because I'm stuck in someone else's system. <laughs> so, so Sean, let me make it easier for you because it may change on on Mac, but on Windows it's Control Shift Backslash. Ah, there you go. Thank you. Beautiful. Control shift. And you mentioned there it is a subscribe service, yeah? Subscription service. So they have an interesting plan. You can subscribe monthly if you want to, and that gives you a set of features. Or if you're like, you know, I'm not going to do this every day, but I'd like to have like a bundle of minutes. Sound familiar? You can go ahead and purchase <laughs> a couple of hours of minute of, of usage, and those stay on your account for a year, and you can use those whenever you want. And then they also offer incident passes, which means it'll work for 24 hours, and then after that 24 hours, you have to purchase another pass. Okay. Wow. That's an interesting model. That's quite cool. Yeah, that's that's good, actually. Yeah, good. And obviously, this is built for businesses, isn't it? It's built for organizations. It's built for what you're talking about, people who, in, in the role of actually providing support. Uh, and you know, I think the great thing that, about this, and I think this is something that a lot of people might take back to their managers, I think, you know, people listening to this who are working in this mm-hmm. kind of field thinking, hey, this would actually make my job a million times easier. And actually, not only that, provide the opportunity for people to get into work. Now, I must say, you know, we're talking about the Mac side of this here. That's the new bit. But like you say, RIM has actually been around for a while. So, you know, on the Windows platform. So, you know, it's maybe important. That most people may be aware of it in that field. But if not, what a great opportunity to learn about the but, uh, the system. But has it always had the NVDA built-in feature? Or is that new? Uh, so it's always had the ability. And for a while, I don't kind of know what happened like in the mid you know, like 2014 through maybe 2019 or something like I, I don't know if it was still actively being developed in, but I do remember from, you know, the early 2000s using it. It's always had the ability on Windows if I connected and I would do this. Like I actually had a server set up where I would just send people a, a short link and say, hey, go here, download this, install this on your computer for me. Uh, and then I could just connect to their computer, whether they were a screen reader user or not. And I was able to control their computer. Uh, so it's always had some form of built in. Uh, screen reader access for connecting to a computer that was not running a screen reader. That is so uh, cool. That is so forward thinking. And as thinking. Stephen pointed out, like, I really think, how many how many people do you know? Like, you know, us here, but people listening, like, how many people do you know that are really good with computers, that can figure stuff out, mm-hmm. they're great at helping, and the one thing that stops them from getting a job is that, you know, you have to pro- pro- provide remote support for someone else right and we've always been cut out of that especially on the mac side now windows you know it, it's been there again i don't know if it's always been there throughout 2015 etc but 
you know, this, as Stephen said, this opens up the possibility for someone to get a job. And think about it nowadays, people are more comfortable, or I'll say companies, corporations are more comfortable with people working from home. So, you know, get a job as a computer support person or help desk person for a corporation. And, you know, it, it, it improves the lives of everybody and it gets you employed. The less eloquent way to say that is winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, right, listen, we're geeking out today about Mac stuff. And, so uh, Scottish. <laughs> It's always about chicken and food, usually fried. Um, but listen, I want to talk about Backblaze, which is an app that uh, essentially allows you to back up on your Mac. And uh, Michael has done a very cool demo for us. Here it is. Today, I'm going to show you how to set up Backblaze, a backup solution that Demasi recommends. And I've heard of and used a time or two myself, but I also don't have any backups and I lost some important files when I decided to delete 92 gigabytes of data out of my downloads folder. I am also going to use this uh, backup hard drive that I have too, because yeah. More to come on that in the future. I'm going to start by hitting right option S to open Safari. Safari, untitled window, smart search field, displaying alternate items. And you can take out this URL if this is being published to your publication and you don't want Demasi to get credit. Or if you're listening and you don't want to give Demasi credit, then look for Backblaze. Otherwise, type in yourownpay.com, Y-O-U-R-O-W-N-P-A-Y.com, slash backups with an S, and we'll hit enter. Slash backups. dbackup.html number F9YTG. Cloud. It, redirect, it redirects you to a page with the title of... Cloud backup. Easy. Secure online backup. Backblaze. And so we'll use heading navigation. World's easiest cloud backup. Backblaze Unlimited Backup. Get peace of mind knowing your files are backed up securely in the cloud. Backup your Mac, Link, or PC, Link, for just $7 slash month. Sign up for a 15-day free trial. Email, blank, edit text and email field. for the email and address, so I'll my, enter in insertion my at end email of text. address. Password. And it asks for a password. I will get a password from 1Password. When we're done getting the details from 1Password, we'll hit Command S. Save item. Search in all accounts. Blank. With this. Safari. Cloud back. Region. Password. Paste. Put in my password. Sign up now. And choose sign up now by pressing VO right arrow. Do you want to allow downloads on www.backblaze.com? And we're prompted, asked if we want to allow downloads. Well, we need to download the Backblaze client, so we'll choose... Allow. And press Cloud backup. Space. Easy. Secure online backup. Backblaze. Download has started. And now the download has started and the download is done. So what we'll do is open Finder. Finder. Press Command Option L. Downloads. List. One item selected. Install underscore backblaze underscore D12 and 999,278 D063C14DMG. And that's what I want. So I'll press Command O to open that. Open. Backblaze installer. Window. Icon view. And we're put into an icon view, so we'll interact. Backblaze installer. And that's what I want is backblaze installer. We'll press Command O. Open. Application. Alert system dialog. Backblaze installer is an app downloaded from the internet. Are you sure you want to open it? And then I'll press VO right arrow twice. This. Open. Finder, Backblaze application, that. alert system dialog. Backblaze installer would like to access files in your desktop folder. Help. Now you're going to get these prompts, quite a few of them, because macOS requires you to allow applications access to specific folders inside of your home directory. So yes, I want Backblaze to have access to my desktop. Okay. Don't allow Backblaze installer. Okay. Alert, system dialog. 
Backblaze installer would like to access files in your downloads folder. Now it's asking me for downloads permission. I'll give it that. Okay. Finder. Backblaze installer window. Backblaze installer. Backblaze installer. Backblaze installer window. By clicking less than install now greater than, you agree to the license agreement at the URL below. Link. HTTP. And I agree to their license agreement, so I'll choose VO end. Install now. And press VO space. Password application. System dialog. Backblaze installer. I'm prompted for my system password. Backblaze installer not responding. And then we're going to wait a couple of moments while Backblaze installer. Login items. Background items added. Software from Backblaze added items that can run in the background. You can manage this in login item settings. That's a macOS feature. Well, uh, macOS alert that I can help you clear in a moment. Backblaze installer. Analyzing drive. This may take a few minutes and will only occur once. Progress indicator. Zinstaller BG Dark. Window. You can close the preference panel anytime. It will not affect your backup. So we'll let it analyze, and I'll go show you how to dismiss this alert. Press VOO. Notification center. Window. Notifications. Interact with notifications. Login items. Background items added. Soft. VO command space. Actions menu. Three items. And then. Close. Close login items. Reminders. Stack. Reminders. Review. And a start full disk access at two times. Open applications folder and system preferences. Finder. Applications window. Column view one item selected. Backblaze. Systems. System settings. Full disk access window. I command tab to system settings and then used VO right arrow to get full to. Full disk access. In full. Add. Remove. List. In. Backblaze. Off switch. And we'll turn Backblaze on. On. Password application. I got a prompt on my watch. I'll double click the side button on my watch. Full disk access window. Care backblaze. On switch. So then I'll quit system settings. Finder. Applications. Backblaze installer. Backblaze. In and a start full disk access. Close. And then we'll hit close on full disk access. Backblaze. Backblaze window. Pause backup. Has keyboard focus. Now we'll go VO home. Selected. Michael at payon.media. So it already had me signed in. I didn't have to sign anything, sign in to anything because the installer was customized to me. Pressing command Q on the Backblaze window will allow you to quit the window. And if you want to check the status of your Backblaze backup. Safari. Backup. Access your status menu. Menu. Status menus. Menu. Choose this menu option. Menu menu. And then press VO down. Backblaze preferences ellipsis. Remaining files. 37,331 files slash 96,921 MB. So just a few files then. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's absolutely fantastic and a great example of how to get that up and running on your Mac. Uh, listen, guys, we're almost out of time, but uh, we, we've got to do this again. This was really interesting. You guys are just so knowledgeable about this. And I think, you know, the way you bring it across to people is really important as well, because we can all geek out in our own time. But, you know, it's it's trying to bring other people with us on this to say, hey, look, here's the possibilities of this kind of software like LaunchBar, like Remote Incident Manager, like Hazel, you know, like Backblaze. These are all great applications and they can really further your enjoyment. And, you know, there are lots of things even built into the system you can do, like text replacement, which I still think is one of the greatest things that the Mac has, you know, for just simple ways of, you know, long screeds of text. Like, for example, when I write my show notes every day, you know, if you want to contact the show, email feedback at doubletaponair.com. I can put all that into text replacement and just have three characters that, you know, define that. So there's lots of things you can do with the Mac. And, uh, you know, it's definitely, definitely worth uh, checking all those out. Uh, we'll put some links in there as well uh, so you can go find these apps. And also we'll put links to the podcasts. But, uh, Michael, first off, uh, tell people where we can get you because you're about 8,000 podcasts, aren't you? Yeah. 
Yeah, a, the a best day, way to find including this one. <laughs> eight thousand and one now, you know, yes. gotta launch a new one in the near future. <laughs> now go to your own pay, Y-O-U-R-O-W-N-P-A-Y dot com. That's where you can find all the podcasts that I am involved in. And Steven, you need text expander because then you could have one shortcut and then it'll say what show is this for and put all the contact details for each show. Oh, you see you there just you go. Been schooled again. Unbelievable. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Dropping knowledge bombs. Well done. Fantastic. <laughs> Massey from you technically working but you're doing lots of other stuff right i do lots of other stuff but um probably the best place to keep up with me is just follow the podcast technically working because because we're technically working i tend to talk about whatever i should be doing even if i didn't do it uh, on that show uh and i don't check twitter anymore so i don't i won't give that information out and i'm Right here with Stephen, I'm not really sure I understand Mastodon. So yeah, just just hit technically working. Uh, look forward in your favorite podcast app, or as Michael said, you can go to yourownpay.com/tw, which gets you to technically working. And I appreciate you guys having me. Oh, listen, anytime. And you know, I, I think the Mastodon thing, I kind of want to figure it out because I think there's a there's clearly a thriving community over there. I'm not saying I'd ever yeah. move over to it, but, you know, stock, stock and barrel. I, I think I'd want to stay on other platforms as well. But I think ultimately knowing about it and being on there would be good and there must be some great mac apps on the go as well mona's in test fight just saying yeah that's right yeah mona that's the that's from the people that made spring for twitter right yep it is yeah it is interesting which is how i got introduced to your show is because michael Ah. was like you should really check out spring and he's like have you listened to this double tap show and then i went and listened to it in the first episode i caught was you guys talking about spring ah (laughs) wow it's karma it is. It is Michael karma. Said, and you stayed you with us to despite this all show? that. <laughs> yeah. How did he say that exactly? Yeah, what was the time? Did you listen to this show? <laughs> uh, listen, guys, thank you so much. As always, Michael, great to have you on. And uh, Damasi, great to have you on for the first time. Really, you know, just brilliant. Come back again soon. Uh, Sean, thank you for whatever it is you do. And You're welcome. Um, we're back again tomorrow. Same time. Talking CSUN tomorrow. We'll review CSUN. JJ Meadow joining us for a full review of what's been happening. It's been a busy week. He'll uh, give us all the details that coming up. Keep your feedback coming. Of course, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us on our listener line, one 803 4567 We'll catch you tomorrow. Cheers, guys. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.